0: Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian and Today... We're recording this on March 30th. We're going through some NFL news. NFL free agency is all but wrapped up, but had several big trades come across last week. You know, I know it's March Madness because of that basketball tournament, whatever's going on there, but truly never a down day in the football world as well. So have to be happy to be joined by Mr. Andrew Erickson. You can hear on this podcast more weeks than not. Find him on Twitter at Andrew Erickson underscore Andrew. Happy uh, end of March. And it's been I feel like it's been a more entertaining post uh, free agency period than usual in NFL land.
1: Yeah, we got tons of trades going on, big trades last week, shaking up the draft because that's what it is now. It's draft season. As the calendar turns to April, it's all about diving into the rookies. It's going to be exciting this next
0: month for sure. And make sure you check out our Friday editions of the podcast. Had a great one up with Austin Gale uh, last week going over some of the initial draft questions. We'll continue to get some of the brightest minds with the prospects on the pod as we get closer to the draft and get even closer to finally getting these rosters finalized when we get to May that's true fantasy football uh, preview season right now we're still in draft season as Andrew said so Andrew let's stick with the draft news that came first because quite a few fancy relevant uh, impacts you know would go over because of these trades first and foremost the 49ers even after trading up to get the number three overall pick reports indicate that Jimmy Garoppolo will still be their starter Andrew do you buy this that Jimmy Garoppolo let's say assuming health starts over half of the games for the 49ers in 20 21.
1: Over half the game that's such a good line because it's it's tough to to figure out exactly what the 49ers are going to do here. I would guess that they're fine with Jimmy Garoppolo if he's healthy because when Jimmy Garoppolo has been healthy, he has played effective and he's been a good quarterback for them. They've won games, but part of the problem with Jimmy Garoppolo is the fact that he isn't healthy often. You know, look at the last four seasons with the 49ers games. He started five games, three games, 16. They went to the Super Bowl and then six games last year. So when he's been on the field, he's been pretty good for most of the time. Again, he's had his ups and downs, but I think that they're fine with rolling him out there, especially because they have him under contract. He has a no trade clause, so they can only trade him to a team that he wants to go to or they'd have to cut him and they don't really gain anything by cutting him because their team is dependent on having a, at least an average quarterback to function and if he gets hurt and then they have a rookie quarterback, you know, if he gets hurt too, it's like, that doesn't matter. They just need a functioning quarterback that isn't Nick Mullins to get the job done. So I think Garoppolo is going to be the starter probably week one, but I think for fantasy football, you need to look at that in the long-term view. This is what I did last year. You know, I was all over Tyra Taylor because I thought, you know, Justin Herbert's going to sit. He drafted all the Tyra Taylor in best ball and then, Again, the guy gets his lung punctured. It's the Justin Herbert show. So I would focus on whatever rookie they do draft as when it's all said and done. That'll be the guy that you'll actually want to have in fantasy football. So for me, Garoppolo is kind of hands off and yeah. it looks like it's going to be the Mac Jones show.
0: Oh my god, stop it. Per 49er GM John Lynch, <laughs> we felt like we had a team that could compete. We went to ownership, said hey, things are looking good. We want to make this trade, but we don't want to say goodbye to Jimmy. So, look, I think you said it right in the beginning there, Andrew. I don't know about that Mac Jones part. We'll get to that in a second. But when Jimmy has been healthy, good things have happened with the 49ers. He comes in at the end of 2017 after the trade. 5-0 and the end of the year. 2018 goes 1-2. and two. There's ACL and misses the rest of the year. 2019, you know, I think we remember him throwing only 27 passes in the first two rounds of the playoffs. They certainly didn't lean on him, but in the second half of that year, which is to be expected coming back from, you know, serious injury like a torn ACL, he did start to really get going more, had three separate games with at least four touchdowns. Yes, he was mostly a game manager during that season, most of his career, but we have seen stresses of him, up, him putting up uh, truly big-time numbers. Obviously, 2020 had far more injured games than just a time where he looked even remotely healthy due to those high ankle sprains. So I think the thing with Jimmy is you see people in the analytics community that really don't watch games really point to Jimmy as being this great quarterback because on paper just pure analytics not watching the games you wouldn't say he's a great quarterback but as we've seen for those of us that do check out the film from time to time Kyle Shanahan just has so much to do with this overall offense I mean literally nobody has averaged more yards per attempt thrown to a target behind the line of scrimmage over the past three years than Jimmy Garoppolo and Jared Goff's number two which makes sense because Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan are freaking wizards and their quarterbacks accordingly benefit from that so So anyone's idea of a QB friendly system, we've seen that with Jimmy, but hasn't been able to be healthy enough to really maintain it. So we'll see here, Andrew. I do think Jimmy, it's his job and I don't really see him playing bad enough without injury to, uh, you know, kind of lose it but not, not someone we obviously want to target in fantasy land. even though we got Brandon Ayer, Debo Samuel, George Kittle. We want to target one of these rookies if they can get the job. The question is, who is it going to be? I don't buy the Mac Jones fire. I don't know why they would trade up to get a guy that's projected to far fall a little bit lower. I don't think it's fair to simply look back at Kyle Shanahan's past quarterbacks and just say that you know he's not going to use a dual threat guy. I mean, Kyle and Mike, what they did with RG3 during his rookie year was absolutely incredible. I understand they like Kirk Cousins more than rg3 and then i understand what shanahan was able to do for matt ryan but man you put a justin fields you put a a trey lance even zach wilson if he happens to fall in this offense i just feel like the overall upside is higher than someone like mac jones who just you know athletically isn't in the same tier as some of those guys so we'll see andrew do you gun to your head right now would you say mac jones will be a number three overall pick
1: I think so. He's the oh, betting God. favorite right now. And look, that's not what I would do. I'm all over Justin Fields. My best ball shares needed to be Justin Fields with all the IU, Debo Samuel, George Kittle stacks that I've built, you know, so far in the offseason. So I'm I'm praying that I'm wrong. And it's not Mac Jones, but I think that ultimately where there's smoke, there's fire. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, media and analysts like us you know, we have a different perspective than what the teams are actually saying about certain quarterbacks. And it seems like this always happens where a quarterback is kind of rumored, okay, he's going to go like 10 to 15, and then he becomes a top five pick. Kind of happened with Daniel Jones when I kind of think about it. Like no one expected him to be, like he went three overall or in the top five. And that was really surprising to a lot of people. Then Haskins was a guy that fell when when he was originally like, you know, mocked to be a top five pick. So strange things are going to happen, but... Uh, Yeah, I just think that there's too much. And I don't agree with it. I I don't think it should be Mac Jones, but I'm not in charge.
0: I went to Twitter shortly after this news broke and told everyone that if the 49ers (laughs) draft Mac Jones number three overall, I will move to Ohio people, I already live in Ohio. No one pointed this out. You know, maybe I just don't put myself out there, but I had people, like, adding old takes, expose, you know, just ready to really expose my ass, so looking forward to this happening, and people, you know, kind of getting the rude awakening that, no, I already live in Ohio, but, uh, yeah, I guess that's a concern for another day, but yes, you know, still, obviously, something to keep an eye on. If Mac Jones does get that job, man, uh, not saying he'll ball out immediately, but we will need to look at him in the later rounds uh, of, you know, at least two QB drafts at a minimum. There's
1: actually, there's actually one thing, too, that I, this is kind of a galaxy brain thought when it comes to Mac Jones. And I was thinking about this because looking at the way that the quarterback landscape is set up, where basically you either have these below average quarterbacks that are game managers that necessarily don't demand a lot of money, you know, trying to look back at some of these middle tier quarterbacks. And then you have all these really expensive quarterbacks that cost a lot of money and make it somewhat tougher to build a franchise around. So, you know, this is something that's kind of wild and just kind of popped in my mind. But maybe the Fortnite is thinking long term, like, look, if we have Mac Jones, we can kind of contain him to a point where you know he may not necessarily carry our team so that we don't necessarily need to pay him like a Patrick Mahomes level player in the long term so that's something that kind of popped in my mind is you know maybe something they'd considered I don't know but Yeah,
0: if they hadn't already given a similarly limited player in Jimmy G all that money, I think you'd have a little more credence there. But hey, in this situation, we got to be a little bit galaxy brain because truly do not know really what the hell is going on here in San Fran. But we will continue to monitor that, monitor that as it goes on. Bit more clarity in these other situations, the teams that decided to trade down, and that is the Eagles who traded out of pick number six. And you know, it wasn't a spot where we necessarily expected them to take a quarterback. But if someone like Fields fell down to that spot, uh, you know, we were seeing that on some mock to industry. So for now, Jalen Hurts certainly looking like the man in Philly. Andrew, so I guess my beef with this whole Jalen Hurts situation, yes, he's a great fantasy quarterback. He runs the ball. We all understand this in the year 2021 that rushing quarterbacks are good for fantasy. Like it's not a crazy concept, but it's almost like people are trying to just act like no one else knows this. And I'm seeing Jalen Hurts as, you know, the prime late round QB. He is already the QB nine in average draft position on underdog. Like, I feel like Hurts is almost like rookie year Kyler Murray. Everyone is, you know, just jerking off this dude from a fantasy perspective when he's already being reflected that high. You know, on it. he's like the sleeper that everyone says the sleeper that isn't a sleeper. I mean, are you with me here, Andrew? Top 10 quarterback. That's fine. But he's already <laughs> being priced as a top 10 quarterback. The underdog
1: best ball drafters are just too sharp right now because that's exactly the thing. That's He's going exactly where he should be going in the upper echelon of quarterbacks that you need to look after and go after in your drafts. Because that's what he did. You know, he's got the running upside, 23.9 fantasy points per game, eighth best among quarterbacks, weeks 14 through 17. And that cl- includes that game where he was basically benched. You know, if he removed that game, is 26.6 fantasy points per game, which trailed only Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Again, he's playing with house money. That's kind of what the Eagles are in this point, the way that I look at it with the trade that they made. They're like, hey, Hertz, you're the guy. If you can play well enough to keep your job and not let us draft another quarterback next year, then it's your job because now they have more first round picks next year. So if they need to address the quarterback position, they can in next year's draft. Again, someone always comes out of the woodwork, you know, every single season. You know, this year it was Zach Wilson. The year before it was Joe Burrow. So again, the quarterback class doesn't look sexy right now in 2022, but I guarantee someone is going to come out and like, oh, well, here's the number one overall pick, you know, X player here. So the Eagles are going to have their options to look at quarterback next year. But in the meantime, you know, give Hurts a chance. Took a sec- took him in the second round. He flashed. You know, he gave the team life last year when Carson Wentz was basically doing the complete opposite of that. So I don't. I, I think I think that he's being criticized too harshly for his passing numbers last year. Again, he was basically always throwing the ball downfield or trying to run for his life behind literally the worst, like one of the worst offensive lines, just a very poor supporting cast. So, and it's not like he has a lot to work with still. You know, the, the receiving course isn't great. You know, Dallas Goddard's probably the best all around receiver. Rager didn't do that much last year. So, I mean, Hertz has got his work cut out for him. It's not going to be easy, but he's got a chance to become the guy, and the Eagles are going to give him a shot.
0: Even in that week 17 game where yeah, he was weirdly benched after the third quarter, he still had two rushing touchdowns and 34 yards that game. Like he got benched before the fourth quarter. If that happens, you're assuming you're getting like five points out of your quarterback. And he still somehow finished that week as the QB 19, I believe. So yeah, I mean, I, I think you're spot on. He's being priced as he should be priced. And yeah, the passing concerns, he can at least put up numbers, even if he's not going to be, uh, you know, some guy that's, you know, Peyton Manning guys from the pocket. The same thing with Lamar Jackson, like I'm not saying these type of, you know, dual threat quarterbacks need to be, uh, you know, compared to Matthew Stafford and other just great passers from the pocket. They don't have to be. Lamar Jackson has done 62 touchdowns over the past two years. Jalen Hurts threw for over 300 yards in two of his four starts. I know it's not as pretty over 300 yards as we'll see elsewhere around the league, but we don't really care in fantasy land. The fact Hurts is at least capable of moving the offense down the field through the air when they get down separates him from someone like Tyrod Taylor. So floor is super high for Hurts. And again, this just kind of solidifies things so uh you know for those of you waiting until after the draft to get out there in the best ball streets uh don't be shocked when you see hurts falling off the board in the top 10 again he is this uh you know quote-unquote sleeper that truly nobody is sleeping on at the moment now similar uh kind of storyline going on with tua down in miami after they traded away from that number three spot but the thing with tua is people are far less sold on him than jalen at least when it comes to fancy land andrew what are your expectations for this dolphins offense obviously they added will fuller the Monte Parker's still there. Tua, you know, not great. Some people didn't even think he was good last year. I would disagree with that to an extent, but certainly an offense that, you know, paired with such a great defense, maybe we don't have the highest expectations for. But with that said, everyone's pretty cheap and fancy right now.
1: I think Tua is actually the late round quarterback or one of the late round quarterbacks that you can actually get later in your drafts because it's all looking up for him. Like, everything is going to be better for him next season, and all he has to do is, again, deliver on the improved weapons. You know, now he has Will Fuller. You know, we saw with Will Fuller, what we did with Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson averaged almost three more fantasy points per game with Will Fuller in the lineup. Again, Watson's a good quarterback, but at the same time, adding in a weapon like Fuller makes the quarterback more efficient with him running the offense. You know, last year, he was playing with backup wide receivers. He was playing with Lynn Bowden Jr. Again, he also was coming off a major injury he was also coming off no off-season training and if it hadn't been for Justin Herbert basically breaking the scale of quarterback numbers under pressure Tua wouldn't be this criticized it's because of how well guys like Herbert did and even Burrow to to, Burrow to a comparison that people are so down on Tua when it's more or less Tua would have basically an average rookie quarterback season. Like he was pretty average based on what we've seen from rookie quarterbacks in the past. He wasn't a Josh Rosen level of total horrendousness where it's like, we need to move on from this guy. I mean, he was better than Sam Darnold was as a rookie. So, and, and people still believe in Sam Darnold like three years in, and <laughs> I, I can say that I'm way out on Sam Darnold at this point. So to a, the sample size is way too small to say that he's done. And, you know, looking at last year, just you know, speaking to the Will Fuller edition, you know, last year, he had the second worst drop rate on his deep ball attempts. You know, you can look up Jakeem Grant, just dropping a a perfect dime by two, which would have turned into like an 80-yard touchdown. And I guarantee people wouldn't be talking way differently about two if that one catch had converted into a long play because they say he can't throw downfield and he's not aggressive. And even though his tight window throw rate was 2% points lower than Ryan Fitzpatrick, which was number one in the league last year. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that two is being wrongly criticized and i think even looking at last year before week 17 he was the only quarterback in the league that at least have 10 touchdown passes and zero interceptions from a clean pocket and that's what we look for clean pocket numbers is really more predictive year over year than under pressure and before things kind of got out of hand in week 17 where the game just totally fell out of place for the dolphins i mean he was really good from a clean pocket you know nearly perfect so yeah i, I i'm definitely not out to it yet
0: me, neither, Andrew. Yeah, that freaking dime of a bomb downfield, Jakeem Grant <laughs> dropped. And then the next week, he played the Chiefs, man. And there was another three or four drops that game just where he made, you know, a really great throw with the ball, perfect placement. And the guys just couldn't come down with it for him. So, you know, injured version of Devontae Parker all season long. Preston Williams was hardly out there when Tua was game. I mean, you know, Jakeem Grant, Mac Hollins, like Mike Desicki. I like Jasicki, but there just wasn't, you know, too many examples out there of Tua just completely air mailing these wide-open receivers. We saw some stakes the first game against the Rams the Broncos and you know the Bills at the end of the season even that Raiders game wasn't pretty but you brought up Herbert and Burrow kind of being guys that took away from Tua which I agree with even Ryan Fitzpatrick is in that same boat Ryan Fitzpatrick was by all accounts an above average quarterback last year Tua was not he's a rookie coming off you know one of the worst hip injuries that we've ever seen so yeah Tua is someone that I am not done with by a long shot and if you want to go to pff.com I had an article go up today uh, recording this on a Wednesday about bargain shopping for underdog best ball stacks and man, Tua. Devontae, Fuller. I think there's a lot of room here to attack and fancy that Right now, Will Fuller is a wide receiver 32. He was a wide receiver 8 before he got popped for PEDs. Devontae Parker is the wide receiver 46. He was the wide receiver 42 last year, even with all the rotation under center and all this. So to me, both Fuller and Parker are being drafted closer to their floors. Neither of those guys are leaving three wide receiver sets, even if they end up drafting, you know, Jamar Chase or someone else in that first round. I think going to a Fuller-Parker really helps set, set you up for success because it's it's not a stack that you need to really devote any picks in the first five rounds to. And it also gives that upside. So agree with everything you said about Fuller, you know, Deshaun Watson averaging a full 1.2 yards per attempt with Fuller versus without even DeAndre Hopkins averaged more fantasy points per game with Fuller than without, even though he was getting fewer targets because of how much more efficient he makes that offense. So Andrew players are allowed to improve as they keep going in the NFL. Uh, certainly seems like, you know, the 2021 Miami dolphins could be a prime case where, you know, Tua isn't getting the sort of bounce back love, uh, that he probably should be agreed. Yeah, man. I feel like if that Jalen hurts, the Carson Wentz situation didn't happen. We'd be more on two of but because of this Jalen hurts is stealing all the Ric Flair. And, you know, we <laughs> just can't, can't quite get back from that. So, all right. So last few options kind of with these, uh, top five picks and what's going on there. So Zach Wilson emerging as the likeliest option to the jets at number two. I haven't seen the betting lines. I want to say they're close to like minus 500 or something though. Am I right on that? Andrew? Like it's,
1: it's locked and loaded. It's, yeah, it's,
0: it's going to be Zach Wilson. Pretty <laughs> much a sure thing right now. So I was talking to a PFF Austin last Friday about uh, Zach Wilson. I guess my kind of concerns with the guy like, yeah, I see the freaking, you know, bazooka for a right army's guy. He's able to throw on the run. Uh, you know, Chris Sims, out here comparing, <laughs> calling him Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers asked like, I get it, but you look at the game logs, you look at the competition, it's like, who has he done this against? Now, Austin brought up a good point that teams nowadays are willing to build their offense around someone different. Like Like Zach Wilson, that's the difference between, you know, putting Patrick Mahomes in the 2018 Chiefs offense or putting him in, you know, the 1999, you know, culture, whatever like that, who maybe wouldn't put use uh, their personnel quite to the same level around him. What do you think about Zach Wilson, Andrew? Because to me, he seems like a guy that we didn't see a ton of rushing production from. He's going to be on an offense, you know, without many proven weapons, with all due respect to my guy, Chris Herndon. And it just seems like uh, even if he can seize that starting job from Sam Darnold as early as week one, I'm not quite sure that 2021 is going to be Wilson's year uh, for him to really be a Superman just yet.
1: I do think that the fit with the Jets makes a lot of sense with Michael floor as the offensive coordinator coming from the Kyle Shanahan system. Again, they do a lot of outside zone running and that involves a lot of play action off of that outside zone. And that's exactly what Zach Wilson did at BYU. It's a, so it's a perfect fit. So I understand why the jets would prefer Zach Wilson over a Justin Fields over a Trey Lance, because it just fits so much better with their offensive system. That's really where Zach Wilson needs to go is to a team that is going to use a Shanahan outside zone type of scheme. So I like the fit for Zach Wilson from a fantasy perspective in the rookie year, again, it's tough for us to just come out with these rookies because basically we just have to wait for the one blow up game. And then after that, it's kind of, okay, you, you spend all your waiver wire money and usually it works out in that fashion. So just a matter of which one of these rookies is going to hit. Again, you talked about the weapons, Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, not the super sexy guys, Keelan Cole, Jameson Crowder. Like he's definitely not surrounded by the best weapons. They don't really have a running back. They have Tevin Coleman there who just signed. So I'm not super excited about Zach Wilson. I'm probably not going to be looking to draft him in a lot of places just because I don't know. And and especially you mentioned the rushing, like of the top four guys, he's probably the least likely to rush other than Mac Jones. So that's something that he's just not going to add as much to his fantasy ceiling. So he's really going to do a lot of throwing. And, you know, if Corey Davis is your number one, you know, we saw Marcus Mariota had Corey Davis with his number one too. And, you know, it didn't really work out for Marcus Mariota in terms of fantasy football and it really didn't work out for Marcus Murray in his overall NFL career. So that's kind of my take on <laughs> Zach Wilson.
0: Yeah, man, it's he is a true like late round quarterback. I'm with you. Some we're not going to draft. Maybe that you know maybe Darnold ends up being out of the picture and stuff. But he's not the rookie I want to touch. The rookie I want all everywhere in fantasy football is Trevor Lawrence. Right now he's going as the QB 15 on underdog. I still think it's a spot a few too low, Andrew. Look, I, I had someone come out uh, last week. I said Chris Carson is an RB1 fantasy man And I do think Chris Carson is an RB1 fantasy And I would rank him 12th right now ahead of 2021. But the person brought up a good point. They oh, you know, Ian must play in a 30-team league because he's got all these RB1s <laughs> around. But that's fine. Hold me accountable. I don't want to be naming, you know, 20 guys out here, QB1s or RB1s. So I just want to be definitive with this. Trevor Lawrence, to me, is a top 12 fantasy quarterback ahead of next year. He checks all the boxes from what we've seen from past successful rookie QBs in land, Specifically, we've had Cam Newton, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, RG3, Russell Wilson, Andrew Luck, and most recently Justin Herbert function as top 12 fantasy signal callers in their first year since 2010. Herbert was the only guy that didn't average at least 25 rushing yards per game and also didn't start in week one. As we saw, Herbert, far more athletic, far better of a runner than what he demonstrated. at Oregon started in week two instead of week one. So Trevor Lawrence averaged 24 rushing yards per game on the ground uh, during his three years at Clemson. He has a terrible defense in Jacksonville that should give him more than enough opportunities to, you know, work in comeback mode. And he enters an offense with DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault, probably another high round receiver to hopefully get things going. So to me, Lawrence fits, you know, the archetype that we've seen year after year of a successful rookie quarterback. And he not Jalen Hurts is the prime late round option at this point in time. So if you want to go really late and super flex two QB leagues, I know what you're saying, you know, with Tua Andrew, he certainly is even later uh, than Trevor. I put Fitzpatrick in there and I put the uh, Saints quarterbacks as well. But right now, man, give me Trevor Lawrence as a legit QB one in pretty much fantasy football leagues of all shapes and sizes. Trevor
1: Lawrence. Lor- Le- Trevor Lawrence reminds me a lot of Joe Burrow in terms of just the way that they're being viewed, you know, entering the league again. You know, offering some sneaky upside as a rusher. You know, no, no, no one was saying that Joe Burrow was going to, you know, come out and run all over defenses. But he has a rushing element to his game, similar to Trevor Lawrence. Where I think if you look at him just initially, you wouldn't think, oh, he's probably not a rushing quarterback. But no, no, he is. He can run a lot, and he's really effective when he's been a rusher. In twenty nineteen, he's PFF's fourth highest graded rushing. Quarterback, six hundred eighty-two yards, seven point eight yards per carry, and he scored nine rushing touchdowns. So, I guess I'll pose the question to you, Ian. So, would you rather have Trevor Lawrence or Joe Burrow for twenty twenty one?
0: Ooh, it's right there. I would go. Ooh, where do I have him ranked? Where do <laughs> gotta, I have him ranked? Pull up I, the ranks. No, I, it's it's, it's oh close man, because it's really close. View,
1: they are viewed pretty similar to me. You know what their strengths and weaknesses are. Except the only difference is Burrow's going into year two. And he's also coming off an injury. So, those are like kind of two things you have to weigh.
0: I have Burrow QB10, Ryan Tannehill QB11, Trevor Lawrence QB12. So, they're both QB1s, Andrew. How about that?
1: <laughs> All right perfect
0: answer. Yeah, no, Burrow, I I just think right there the volume's too much for him. We've just seen it at the NFL level more than Lawrence. But both guys, I'm very excited to watch throw that rock around here in 2021. We're going to take a quick break to pay some bills. 68 teams started the NCAA tournament. Only the best have survived. I was watching that Alabama game on Sunday. Last leg of a parlay. I needed Bama to win to cash in a nice little chunk of change. I was losing it when they pushed it to overtime. Unfortunately, you know, when you hit like 11 of 25 free throws or whatever the hell they were doing out there, uh, the victory did not come. But DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new customers in the center of the action. Bet $1 on any tournament game, and if your team wins, you win $100. It's that simple. Don't worry if college basketball isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers daily odd boosts on pro basketball, hockey, golf, and so much more. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF when you sign up to turn $1 into $100. If the college basketball team of your choosing pulls off the win, that's code PFF turn $1 into $100 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Andrew, a few other notes to go over in free agency land. First off, Leonard Fournette is back with the Buccaneers, Lombardi Lenny. Uh, per Bruce Arians, though. Quote, it's a new football team. Last year's team won the Super Bowl. This year's team hasn't done shit. Bruce Arians is not giving any tips with the backfield. I'm surprised he hasn't come out and said both Fournette and Ronald Jones will be getting 25 touches per game this year. We'll see uh, what his, you know, ridiculous projection is here soon enough, I'm sure. But right now, Andrew, do you see either Fournette or Rojo being someone you're going to have instead of the top 24 backs in any form of fantasy? Probably
1: not. I tried to get them in. I tried to get Fournette, I think, into the top 24, and I just liked too many other guys in front of him just because I have zero confidence in terms of, you know, who is going to get goal line work, who is going to get the early down carries, because I think that's going to be ultimately split. So whether it's split, you know, on a week to week basis, whether it's split, you know, over the season where it's Ronald Jones is going to open the year and Fournette's going to close out the year or vice versa when I was doing the projections for the Buccaneers backfield, once Fournette signed, I was I got to make it basically split between the carries between Jones and Fournette. Now with Fournette, you at least can lean on the fact that he's probably going to be used in the passing game, but that's really more out of just role, not because he thrives there in any way, shape, or form. Because what, what I'm starting to learn is, it's really a lot less about how good a running back is in the passing game Because we see great running backs in the passing game not be used, and we see terrible running backs in the passing game be used. It's really more about is this team willing to throw the ball to the running back? That's really all that matters. That's why we see Ronald Jones get targets, even though he was PFF's worst graded running back out of the backfield last season catching passes. So as long as Tom Brady's under center, they're going to throw the ball to the running back position. And right now, it's going to be Leonard Fournette. So I have him kind of inside my top 30 between 24 and 30. I don't know exactly where he is, but. I mean, even last year, it just—it's not enough. I, I, even if one of them gets injured, it's like where's the upside with the Buccaneers' running backs? Because you know we could see Keyshawn Vaughn get involved a little bit more if you know Jones or Fournette is to go down. So I don't really see myself drafting really either of these guys just
0: because it's—it's it's kind of muddled there might not be another roster in the league that you could put Fournette on where he would be like the lead pass down back. But I think <laughs> that's what we're looking at again, man. And yeah, I could see Keyshawn Vaughn having a larger role, more of kind of that true Dari Wale role that we saw him have in this offense in 2019. Look, whether or not like you like Keyshawn Vaughn, they liked him enough to draft him 76th overall in 2020. He was actually getting some run in the playoffs before he lost that fumble in the first round against Washington. He was never heard from again, at least in that run. So. Certainly wouldn't be surprised to see him get more involved. There were rumors. Andrew was dying for the Buccaneers to sign James White. That didn't come to fruition. But honestly, wouldn't be surprising to see them go ahead and draft another back. Probably not in the top three rounds, but clearly something around there to try to fill out uh, that need for a pass down guy. So, yeah. You know, Lenny Rojo, their ADPs fall a little bit more, and we're going to see them. You know, in that zero RB range, that is fine. If one of them does go down, then we're at least looking at you know 15 plus touches per game in a high-scoring offense. Until then, though, probably guys, I'm going to be straying away from if they're being priced as true RB twos, which I do not think they will be in 2021. Andrew, more running back news: The Bills signed Matt Breida, one truly one of the fastest guys in the NFL. Not going by 40 times, but you know, you check out that next-gen stats. You know, top speed with the ball in your hands. Breida surprised and right out there with guys like Tyreek Hill. Now, it looks like he'll just fill that TJ Yeldon role of you know likely being inactive when both Devin Singletary and Zach Moss are healthy, but I don't know, man. Breeders has done some really good things in the past with the 49ers, obviously didn't prove too much in Miami. What do you make of this backfield right now? And do we care at all because of how just kind of non-fancy friendly Josh Allen is for his running backs?
1: It's becoming a point where because everybody's out on the Bills running backs that I kind of want to get in on it because they can't be necessarily as bad as they were last year. I don't know if it's possible for them to be as bad as they were last year. You look at Devin Singletary specifically, you know, he scored the least amount of fantasy points among all running backs. 8% of his fantasy points came from touchdowns. So we know touchdowns are relatively fluky year over year. And we've also talked about on the show how Josh Allen's probably going to experience some type of regression. and But that doesn't necessarily mean, okay, the Bills offense is just overall worse and those touchdowns just disappear. That's something I learned about the Aaron Rodgers thing where we all knew Aaron Jones was going to experience touchdown regression. The only problem was I forgot to give the touchdowns to Aaron (laughs) Rodgers and not just kind of let them disappear altogether. So I think that they're being priced appropriately. I think Zach Moss is the first running back that's being drafted because I think ultimately he has probably the highest chance of getting any type of touchdowns that Josh Allen doesn't score because he's been used more near the goal line. But look, Devin Singletary, you know, when he's had the chances to be the main guy, I mean, they've treated him in a decent, he's seen a decent workload. You know, he's, he's in the five games last year that Zach Moss didn't play. We saw Devin Singletary have a 77% opportunity share. You know, he was averaging over 15 touches per game, 10.1 or excuse me, 75% snap share. So, I don't think Devin Singletary is like a terrible running back. And right now you can get him, you know, he could get him in the 15th, 16th round in best ball drafts. And if now that Matt Breed is signed, I could see that even falling to like even 17th or 18th round. And look, I'm not, I don't want to come on. I know social media is going to do this to me. They're going to be like, Andrew's all in on Devin Singletary. (laughs) That's not what I'm saying here, but the price right now, he's late. late. he's absolutely, he's so dirt cheap. And since 2019, Devin Singletary ranks fifth, in 15 plus yard rushes, 23, and he ranks sixth in missed tackle rate per attempt, 25%. Since 2019, and this is a running back you can get in the 17th round. Like he's not as bad as the perception is. It's really the touchdowns that he's just never been able to score, which is why his fantasy production has never been there. But touchdowns can be fluky, and I think too, you know, what we see from breakout running backs is that they emerge from these ambiguous backfields, and that's exactly what the Bills backfield is. Like we don't know what's going on, but we do know that the Bills offense is probably going to be good and good offenses usually are accompanied by running back production. So I can't, I don't think we can just bury the Bills running backs because they were just so bad last year. Things can change and it's going to be a good offense. So, and they're free. So that, so that's my spiel.
0: Yeah, they're they're free, man. That's the thing. Like, yeah, go get these guys. And when you're going 0 RB and you're going wide receiver heavy early, like, that's fine. They're going 10 spots behind the Buccaneers' backs. And we're looking at a situation that, okay, they're not going to really get the targets those guys will. But, I mean, you could argue Zach Moss is almost, you know, a guy that should be ranked higher than Fournette or Ronald Jones. I, you know, I probably wouldn't. But certainly with that, you know, disparity between their average draft ranks, I think uh, these guys make a lot of sense. I would say the Bills right now, just in the best ball drafts I've done, the bills, the 49ers and probably now as they continue to slide a little bit these buccaneers backs are going to be the prime guys we want to start scooping you know while that wide receiver run is going and hopefully we already have taken uh some you know higher end wide receivers before that so yeah you know again as we say almost every week don't hate players hate adps and right now these buffalo bills running backs adps are finally in line with something we can get behind so good stuff there uh bears signed running back damian williams Not great, Andrew. Now, everyone and their mother has already gone on record saying that, you know, Dave Montgomery is going to regress. He's not going to be nearly as good as he was in the back half of last year. This could be legit, like, really bad, though, because we knew Tariq Cohen was going to come back, make this a two-back committee, not the full, you know, Dave Montgomery show that we saw uh, for the second half of last year. But you add Damian Williams to it, man. He's... Got the proven three-down skill set. His last game, he, you know, in another year, if that Chiefs 49ers Super Bowl happened in 1980, Damian Williams probably wins Super Bowl MVP in that one. Like, he's probably too good to just sit on the bench and not get any sort of run. So now we might be looking at a legit three-RB committee between Dame, Montgomery, and Tariq. Fully expect Dave Montgomery to get, you know, the leading amount of touches, but certainly seems like more than ever that projected touch count going to be closer to, you know, 225, 250 than 300 plus we're hoping for. You touching anyone in this uh, Bears backfield right now, Andrew, because as much as everyone kind of hates, you know, the idea of drafting Dave Montgomery, we still kind of see him sitting there in that RB2 range with guys like Chris Carson, Josh Jacobs, Kareem Hunt, that I would want all of them far ahead of him.
1: I think with me and my general drafting strategies, I usually don't want to be drafting running backs anywhere near that range. You know, you're talking about, except Chris Carson, he's probably the only one. I really think that he's a a tier above a lot of those guys. Obviously, he's an RB1 for you, and I think that he's in that similar range for me as well. I think that I just really want to draft the wide receivers in that range. You know, there's just, there's no worry. I don't need to worry about, you know, this Mike Evans or Chris Godwin, you know, just to name some guys. I don't have to worry about them losing their job or like losing out on touches. Like it's just so much easier for me to project them over a season, as opposed to Dave Montgomery, who now look last year, he had a 74% opportunity share, which was third in the league at the running back position, only behind Derrick Henry and James Robinson. It's just not going to be that high again next year, similar to how James Robinson's touch share was so high. They added in another running back and they added in a body. That's not Dari Ungu They added in Carlos Hyde, who's going to work in. And now you have David Montgomery, who's now going to have to split some types of touches with Tariq Cohen. And now Damian Williams. I mean, last year, we were trying to figure out who the backup was. I was like, is it Ryan Nall? You know, Cordell Patterson got involved a little bit, your guy. But ultimately, they didn't really have any other running backs to use. So they were going to obviously go with David Montgomery. So... It seems like really the only running backs that see these 75% opportunity shares, you just need to look at who the backups are. Are the if the backups are absolute scrubs or you know former XFL players or whatever, or if you're Derek Henry's backup, like that seems like the only guys that are ever gonna crest that, you know, a 75% opportunity share is if you're just Derek Henry or if you're just absolutely playing with no one else behind you. So the added competition is not good for Montgomery, who we know isn't the most efficient running back. So he really could use Every single touch he could get.
0: Yeah. Speaking of Cordero, every day that goes by that Cordero and <laughs> Duke Johnson remain free agents, just a little part of me dies. I,
1: you think they hang out?
0: They <sighs> hang out. I don't know. I don't know why Cordero can't get a job, man. That take the best kick returner in the league, and you know, just give him like five <laughs> million a year, and he'll give you some touches as well. Story for another day, Andrew. Uh, The Jets went ahead and signed Tevin Coleman. We mentioned this briefly. So, Tevin, man, I feel like if you've only been watching football like the last two, even three years, like you have such a, you know, kind of just not appreciation for Tevin Coleman. This dude used to be so dynamic in that, you know, Falcons Super Bowl team um, when Kyle Shanahan was there. Just rusher and receiver. It looked like one of the more explosive guys in the league with the ball in his hands. Obviously, hasn't looked anything like that in recent years. You know, in his defense, suffered a high ankle sprain in week one of 2019 by week two 2020 injured his knee and he was put on the IR like look this is a reality you know being 28 years old I just missed the explosive version of uh, Tevin Coleman do you have any read on this backfield I was thinking for a while that maybe Ty Johnson could be you know this year's Miles Miles Gassian the theoretical three down guy that holy shit we made it to week one and now he's actually (laughs) starting running back but with Tevin here likely another guy they're going to draft it seems like this has all the makings of you know just a fantasy football committee from hell
1: Right now it is for sure. I think that they're going to draft a running back. There's a lot of good running backs in this class, You know, whether it's a Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, or a Javante Williams. I think that it makes most sense for them to draft somebody and just insert him into the lineup. Give Zach Wilson as many weapons as you can, and that includes the running back. Like We don't necessarily want him out there with Tevin Coleman, with LaMichael Ryan. We want him with a running back that can help make him a better passer. So for me, I'm, I'm definitely probably going to be out on Tevin Coleman. And, and the thing that sucks is if Tevin Coleman was healthy, I could see him actually play, being decent enough in that offense. Again, I mentioned it's Kyle Shanahan offense. Tevin Coleman obviously has had his best seasons with Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. And before last season, 2019, you know, he started out the season really well, but as Tevin Coleman does, he got hurt. He's been banged up the last two seasons. You know, last year was really bad. You know, he was averaging under two yards of carry when he finally got to play. And you just wonder, You know, you don't want to bet on a older veteran running back turning the clock and and being, oh, well, he's probably going to be healthy now at age 28, you know, fresh. That's not usually the case with some of these older running backs. And again, they signed him to one year, $2 million. That's absolutely (laughs) nothing. I mean, he may not even be on the team, you know, considering his last contract with the 49ers was two years for $10 million. So I, they have no commitment to him whatsoever. So don't feel like you're getting a steal or the Jets starting running back. If you draft him in best (laughs) ball right now.
0: Yeah, poor poor Tevin man. I'm not putting him on the uh, ages list uh, just yet because again, <laughs> he has been hurt. So if Tevin enters this season, you know, 100 healthy, uh, you know, it wouldn't be a you know shocking if he could still put up some uh, something resembling good film. But yes, assuming that you know, again, the soon to be 28 year old back is going to all of a sudden take a turn for the positive, health wise, probably not a good assumption. People, all right. Andrew, I'm sorry, man. Patriots <laughs> re-signed James White. For those that didn't listen to our pre-free agency <laughs> episode, Andrew's preferred dream landing spot for the running back position was James White to the Buccaneers. Nope, he's back. Now we have an offense. Once again, filled with one-dimensional backs. Rex uh, Rex uh Burkhead's gone. That's good news because James White quietly does have some pretty severe splits with and without Rex Burkhead. Problem is, you know, brand new offense adding two tight ends, two more wide receivers into the group. Wouldn't be surprising if, you know, the Patriots, you know, don't add another running back to this mix. Any intrigue in James White, Sonny Michelle, or Damian Harris right now?
1: No, not really. It's just because the roles are so limited in terms of upside. You look at Damian Harris last year. He caught, like, five passes and scored two touchdowns. That 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 was it. And he was really good running back. He was PFF's third highest graded rusher. And that alone wasn't enough to make him any sort of fantasy relevant. You know, despite... Unless he was able to rush for a hundred yards in a game. And we saw when Sony Michelle was healthy that they would use both running backs. James White is obviously going to be using the passing game, but like you said, they've added in more pass catchers. So Cam Newton doesn't necessarily need to rely on James White to be the pass catcher. Again, if it's a different quarterback that's not Cam Newton, that's not going to run as much, then it changes a lot. That can make a real difference. But right now, with the information we have, it's Cam Newton, it's a three headed monster. They're probably going to want to give touches to J.J. Taylor and some other running back to be mentioned. And you can't forget about Jacob Johnson, the fullback, who's going to be out there catching touchdowns, too. So, again, it's, it's been the same thing with his Patriots running backs for a while. You know, at one point, you know, James White was reliable because he had Tom Brady. And we could he would have these occasional spike week, especially in games where the Patriots were, like, trailing by a ton of points but that doesn't really happen anymore because now it's just Cam Newton basically just chucking the ball down the field and rushing for yards, which really takes away from the checkdowns that used to go to James White. So again, James White has had his fantasy highs and right now it's just, it's not really a thing in 2021.
0: It's a run first offense which with at least three running backs involved. And we got Cam <laughs> Newton, who the only guys that had more rush attempts inside the five yard line last season than Cam Newton, Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott, Kenan Drake. I mean, it's, it's just not the situation. You want to target running backs, fancy football. That's it. We're moving on. Kalen Balaj signed with the Steelers. Andrew, do we care? That's it. That's my question. Go.
1: I think I care because it makes it I think he might be the best running back on the team. Is he? You know, I mean, Benny Snell wow. is not good.
0: Put that. I mean, they're both social media quote guy. I want to hear that. They, I want to see that. On next they're Monday. both.
1: They're both plotting running backs. Like that's not a hot take. Me saying that Snell and Balaj are both plotting, plotting running backs. McFarland is explosive, but he's not someone that they're necessarily going to use on early downs. I will say with Ballage is that the fact that he was able to. Reclaim his career last year, or resurrect his co- career last year, running behind PFF's worst graded run blocking unit. The Steelers are were the thirty first, so he's going to be fit in comfortably with running behind the Steelers offensive line. And you know he was RB fifteen over a three week span. I mean that's not nothing. You know Benny Snell can't say that. I don't know if he's ever been a top thirty six running back at any point in his career. So I mean if if Bellage is going to be, I, I can't imagine he's going to be their starter, but. Right now, if you have to be like, "Hey, you got to pick a Steelers running back right now to be your in fantasy," I'm probably going to take Kalen Balaj instead of Snow or McFarland.
0: Oh. Wait, you're gonna, take Benny, no. you're
1: gonna take Benny Snell? No, I'm not <laughs> I mean, taking any of them.
0: Look at this. All right, that's fair. Look at the guys that we just talked about. But okay, <laughs> I will give Kalen Balazs this. In 2019, like you know, we always say volume is the everything in fantasy football. Like Balazs was the one exception to that rule because he averaged 1.8 <laughs> yards per carry on just like one of the worst Dolphins teams that you will ever see. He's always had you know some issues with the drops and this and that as well. At least in 2020, he proved that, you know, this was seemingly, you know, Adam Gase's fault, and he was, you know, at least a solid. Running back on the Chargers. I mean, to some extent, he had those three games like you talked about. He's a 6'2, 230 guy with four, four Jets. I mean, you see why multiple coaching ch- uh, staffs have, g- have given him a chance. I'm sure he looks fantastic with shorts on, but come on now. We've seen this three different teams. I do not expect him to go to Pittsburgh and earn anything resembling consistent carries. Pittsburgh. I just, they need to add a higher end running back. They talked about doing it last year, uh, you know, a 32 for 32 series. I believe the bull call was Najee Harris, you know, sooner rather than later to them. So man, if there is one situation I want to get clear from this draft, it is right here in Pittsburgh because Andrew, if we have to have this conversation more seriously, <laughs> uh, this time uh, next month, I'm going to be one sad man. Uh, that's enough running back news. We got four. Well, actually more... with yeah, the Caleb
1: Bloss, so Caleb Bloch signed with the Steelers. So that means he's not coming back to L.A. So is that a plus for Austin Eckler? I know last year we saw Eckler split goal line carries with, or it was Joshua Kelly and and uh, Kalen Balazic kind of split goal line carries. Do you think that this means Austin Eckler might get more goal line touches, or do you think that Joshua Kelly can become a thing again? He was kind of a thing at the beginning of the year, and then Kalen Balaj kind of beat him out. Is Joshua Kelly dead? Is he back? What are your thoughts on the Chargers now?
0: Why do we always have these conversations? Oh, wait, no, yeah. Why do we always have these conversations and not include Joshua Jackson? I mean I feel like he is the number or two. Justin back Jackson. There. Justin, Justin Jackson. God, my bad. <laughs> Justin Jackson. Yeah, I'm like, why 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 are we not talking about this guy whose name I just <laughs> immediately uh butcher <laughs> Justin Jackson, man, I feel like he's probably going to be a number two. It'll be him and know. Kelly probably split up. No, Austin Eckler is someone that needs, I mean, you know, another RB1. I'm keeping track. He's, he's uh, <laughs> under 12, but no, truly, I mean, Eckler, I mean, with his what he could do receiving wise, he's never going to have 300 carries. Like, he's not Christian McCaffrey, but he's like kind of next closest thing uh, that we could hope for. He still gets all those receptions that we really want in land. So yeah, no, he's not going to get as many, uh, you know, goal line carries as we would like. But I think that's going to kind of be the case regardless of who is there shouldn't let that uh, you know shouldn't let that deter us from continuing to treat Eckler as anyone's idea of an upside uh, RB1 in fantasy land now some wide receiver news Andrew the Ravens signed Sammy Watkins just both so Ravens and so Sammy Watkins at the same time I think we were talking about the possibility of this happening last week well it has come to fruition so the Ravens have lost you know 48 targets from Willie Sneed 11 from Des Bryant not much, really, for <laughs> Sammy to walk into in a run-first offense. I guess with Sammy now in the picture, do you want anybody involved in this Baltimore Ravens passing game?
1: Mark Andrews and uh, give me Duvernay or give me death I'm my two guys. <laughs> so the thing with Sammy Watkins is I was trying to make this spin – this move and see in a positive light. So, all right. Why did the Ravens sign Sammy Watkins? Okay. Greg Roman's there. All right, cool. Sammy Watkins first thousand yard season of his and only thousand yard season of his career with Roman as the OC in Buffalo in 2015 finished fifth in yards per route run, super high average depth of target, actually second highest in the league, 90.3 PFF grade top five from the outside. So he strictly played perimeter, with the Buffalo Bills, with Greg Roman for the most part. And that role has changed with his other teams that he's been on. He's actually played a lot more slot in the last few years with the Chiefs, kind of played the slot a decent amount with the, the LA Rams as well. So that strictly, I would assume that he's probably going to move back out onto the outside, probably take over the the Miles Boykin role, the very, you know, esteemed and, and coveted role that a lot yeah. of team people want. <laughs> the, the Miles Boykin role on the, on the Baltimore Ravens. And look, guys, honestly... I can explain this on the podcast, but go to PFF.com. Check out the QB annual. Look at Lamar Jackson's, basically his heat, heat map of where he throws the ball. And it's not towards the outside. It's, it's everything is to the middle of the field. And I do not anticipate Sammy Watkins being anywhere near the middle of the field. He's, I don't want any part of Sammy Watkins in 2021, in 2022, in 2023, wherever team he's on. I just don't think that this is a good fit. I think that he's probably an upgrade from Myles Boykin, and maybe he can provide some more explosive plays for Lamar Jackson. So I guess for Lamar Jackson, I'd say maybe it's a small upgrade from Myles Boykin, who's just not nearly as polished as a wide receiver as Watkins is. But, I mean, it's not good. I mean, this also means that, you know, Marquise Brown might see significantly less targets. So for me, I think it's just good for Duvernay. And I mentioned, obviously, give me Duvernay or give me death because, you know, no Willie Snead, that gives Duvernay the potential to actually become the starting slot wide receiver. And that means he could actually see the targets over the middle of the field, yeah. especially now that, you know, they added Josh Oliver as, a, as another tight end. You know, we don't know anything about him. But when this offense was cooking with the Ravens in 2019, you know, Hayden Hurst was actually kind of involved. So if Duvernay can kind of niche uh, carve out a role as a intermediate receiver, maybe he'll be a decent PPR. But right now, I, I only want Duvernay because he's free and the other guys are going to cost something.
0: They're going to have to give it to him. Literally nobody has fewer $20, $21 devoted to their wide receiver room. Only the Lions are lower when it comes to an overall offense. But, you know, we're just going to continue to judge Lamar Jackson against everyone else that has all these, you know, better offenses and better receiving rooms to throw the ball to. I mean, some of the – it just I feel like the Lamar Jackson slander gets more and more ridiculous by the week. Sammy Watkins signs there and just everyone's going like clown emoji, clown emoji. Nobody wants to go play for like Baltimore. Nobody wants to go catch passes from Lamar Jackson. Andrew, let's look at where the top five free agent wide receivers signed, all right? Kenny Galladay goes and plays with, you know, Daniel Jones, a super proven uh, quarterback out there with the Giants for $72 million. Corey Davis goes to the Jets because who wouldn't want to go there for $37.5 million. Curtis Samuel joins the Washington football team, you know, just a great pipeline of getting the most out of their passing games there. Oh, and they got Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne going to Patriots because Cam Newton, you know, showed so much last year. I think it's a little bit more about the money than receivers, you know, saying, hey, we don't want to play with Lamar Jackson. Going to go on a big limb there and say that's the case, man. It just gets old and hey right now unfortunately we might have to go through another season of Lamar Jackson not having anything resembling uh, you know just an above average receiving group to throw the ball to. Hollywood Brown is fine. Mark Andrews is, by most accounts, very good. Look at all these other offenses in the league that have three to four very good receivers that we can talk about. Unfortunately, we're to have to have this problem with the Ravens. You know, is it Lamar Jackson's fault or is it because he doesn't have a good enough uh, receiving room? I was hoping we can get the latter variable at least controlled a little bit more heading into this year before the Ravens have to worry about potentially paying Lamar, you know, nine figures plus for an extended period of time. Will not be the case, though, at least in 2021 uh, in the Washington football team that I mentioned sign Curtis Samuel. They did make another room though, Andrew, another move though, Andrew, and that was signing Adam Humphreys who once upon a time was the subject of a free agency bidding war between the Titans and Patriots. Those days have long passed. Unfortunately, last year was doing with some concussions, just really didn't get much going at all during his two years with the Titans. Andrew, I like this move because to me, it shows that Curtis Samuel isn't going to be, you know, just typecast as only a slot receiver. We know he can be so much more now that they're putting Humphreys in there. I feel like this is almost best case in terms of like, the slot receiver we would want added to this offense that we can feel good about not yanking away targets. Do you feel the same way? And you're still pumped about McLaurin and Curtis Samuel moving forward.
1: Yeah, that was my main takeaway. Like you said, means Curtis Samuel probably won't be seeing a 70% snap share in the slot like you saw last year. And I, I really want to, I'm glad that you brought it up because I think people may look at that and make the two and two connection and say, Oh, well he was really good in the slot last year. He had his breakout season and now he's going to move back outside, and oh no, that means he's going to be bad. But you know, the guy can win outside, and he was winning outside the, the year prior, except Kyle Allen just was, you know, air ball, you know, throwing the ball over his head consistently. You know, I think PFF tweeted out, but basically. Curtis Samuel's deep ball rate, you know, catch rate was last in the league in 2019. It was first last year because he was just getting more accurate throws. And I actually looked at his numbers from the outside. He averaged 2.4 yards per route run from the outside, which was the same as AJ Brown and ranked top 15 in the league last year um, from the perimeter. So obviously, got to get the AJ Brown shout out in here. But yeah, Curtis Samuel <laughs> did it, got it done on the outside when he was playing there this past season. So pretty confident he can do it. And it doesn't mean he'll never see time in the slot and he'll probably operate. They're going to use him in, in unique ways. JD McKissick, goodbye to your hundred plus targets. Give them to Curtis Sain, but just give them to somebody else. Just not the JD McKissick. Never again, JD McKissick.
0: Never JD, as we like to say here on the PFF fantasy football podcast. Okay. Chiefs, we signed Demarcus Robinson. Oh man. I'm, I'm upset. Andrew, not, it's annoying because now miko Hardman uh, will seemingly continue to be in this kind of three-way wide receiver committee from hell. They haven't added anyone to really replace walk but looking at this draft and kind of some of the receivers that the Chiefs were reportedly interested in, Juju Smith-Schuster, T.Y. Hilton, some of these other guys, clearly they are not, you know, content with their current group of receivers. So Miko Hardman only played 50% plus snaps in seven of 19 games last year. Robinson and Byron Pringle were both working ahead of him for prolonged stretches. Now miko still is only 23 years old I mean he moved from cornerback to wide receiver halfway through his career at Georgia you know it's not the craziest thing to assume he could take a leap forward become a more polished wide receiver but for right now Andrew Miko, to my sadness is once again looking like you know a mid-round pick that probably uh you know is gonna have to really make up uh really make things up in the efficiency land because he's not going to have the volume that we would normally draft someone in that position
1: you're just banking on a Tyree Kill injury for McCole yeah. Hartman to see a significant role increase because it seems like that's kind of his role is just the backup to Tyree kill. And honestly, I can't blame the chiefs because I think that's kind of why they drafted him in the first place, because I thought Tyreek kill was going to get suspended for, you know, they don't years. know how long. Yeah. yeah. And so they went with, Hey, let's get this McCole He's got the styles like, Oh wait, Tyree kills not going to get suspended. Okay. Sick. Well, we have, you know, a Tyree kill in the waiting just might be, you know, five years <laughs> until we really get to see it happen. So yeah, right now I think that the Chiefs are definitely going to target at least a slot receiver. This class is filled with a ton of great slot receivers. So it's going to be, it's going to be tough for Harbin to break out in year three.
0: Colts went ahead and re-signed T.Y. Hilton. So he had a good second half of the year, but I feel like with four guys, T.Y. Hilton, David Montgomery, Derek Henry, and, uh, teammate jonathan taylor we got to look back at these games play hindsight doctor just a little bit to show you know w- what kind of competition these games were coming up against so ty last year has 81 yards and touchdown against the titans eight catches 110 yards and touchdown against the texans 86 yards two scores against the raiders 27 yards and touchdown against the jaguars otherwise he did not score all season or reach 75 yards in a game I'm not saying Carson Wentz can't improve. I I expect him to improve on what he did from 2020 at a minimum. Not so sure we'll ever see that guy from 2017. So if we're projecting Wentz to be, you know, somewhere in the middle of the guy we saw in 2018, 2019, man, that's still a downgrade from what Philip Rivers was bringing to the table. Andrew, Michael Pittman's still there. Zach Pascal's still there. You know, Mo Alley-Cox, Jack Doyle. Do you anticipate this offense, again, just kind of being too crowded for really any one receiver to emerge as, you know, a consistently viable fantasy threat?
1: potentially i think that michael pittman probably has the green light to emerge as the the top receiver just based on last year again he was banged up last year too so he didn't really got a chance and even though hilton was the target leader and the air yards guy for most of the season look we saw it and hilton has fallen off now in three consecutive seasons his yards per route run has fallen and that's just a telltale sign just look at the numbers and you look at how he was last year he's super inconsistent even before last year he was showing signs of slowing down and now he has a brand new quarterback again it's not like he has we've only really seen hilton be really efficient and really good with andrew luck and every other quarterback he's played with it hasn't been the case so and look luck was a really good quarterback so you can't necessarily blame hilton for being worse with worse guys throwing him the ball so again carson wentz whether you back in or not again he's had his fair share of troubles i don't think that the Colts want to have Carson Wentz dropping back and throwing 40 times a game. I just don't think that's ideal. I think they want to run the football. And if T.Y. Hilton is the perimeter receiver on a primarily run-heavy team, I just I don't really see the upside at all when you could just go with a guy like Pittman, who just has that young breakout potential. Even like a Paris Campbell, who's flashed at times when he's played and is just has dealt with some weird injuries to start his career. I honestly think I'd rather have both of those guys instead of Hilton.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that Colin. I, I wish Hilton had gotten and Andrew more specifically. I wish Andrew Luck had gotten, you know, just a better overall offense Two, by Hilton in his prime was a legit number one wide receiver. But the fact that he could never be on an offense that had, you know, more around him and we had like end of career Reggie Wayne, post Texans, Andre Johnson, Dante Moncrief was like a major thing for two years, you know, when <laughs> Hilton was there, like I feel like Hilton could have been like the best number two wide receiver in the league instead of, you know know, a uh, pretty damn good wide receiver one for a few years. So yeah, in the year 2021, I am not buying 31 year old T.Y. Hilton. I would not recommend uh, you do so either, but if you are feeling crazy and you want to do it, maybe you're a T.Y. Hilton stand. unlike Andrew and I, you can go do so on underdog fantasy. If you like fantasy football and if you like playing fantasy for money, you need to check out underdog fantasy. Underdog's got everything, including season long and playoff best ball. Best ball is a season long game where you draft a team like you normally do, but that's it. There's no in-season roster management, underdog all automatically selects your best performers each week, saving you loads of time. Go to underdog fantasy and deposit $10 using promo code PFF and get a free PFF edge annual subscription as promo code PFF draft. Now at underdog fantasy, and you can catch Andrew myself. And I believe this week, Kevin Cole over on a PFF Streamyard link, which we'll have sent out on Twitter Wednesday night. We'll be going through an underdog draft live. Uh, you can maybe join the room draft with us and just see for yourself. I mean, Andrew and I have been talking right now just throughout kind of the podcast strat- different strategy, but best ball, but you'll see people get one of those top RBs. You know, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook. Hopefully you have a top four uh, overall pick. Get your dope RB. And go heavy wide receiver. I think you'll be pretty pleased with uh, what the running back picking looks like compared to wide receiver land, you know, come round seven or so, comparative if you have done the opposite. So don't take my word for it. Come watch us uh, over on Wednesday night uh, on over PFF Twitter. Andrew, new segment to close things out here. I'm calling it Get It Off Your Chest. You know, I like to stick to football pretty much all the time as this podcast because I don't really talk about much else man i like candles i mean i, I just, it's just football my life is football and I, I'm, I'm happy i'm happy about that andrew but if there is something you know maybe it is football maybe it's not whatever if you got something you want to get off your chest the floor is yours andrew give give me something we'll get off your chest in like 60 seconds
1: man i just gotta i have a feeling about some of these players Devonte smith and Rondell moore and basically you know bmi twitter talking about Devontae Smith as 170 pounds weight, the guy just wins the Heisman trophy and yet people are going to you know go down on him or just get be disappointed in him because he's not weighing in, he's not doing these exercises. It's like guys, come on. Like we we knew he was skinny. Like this isn't new information. I don't understand why we're all freaking out that he's not testing. It's like guys do this all the time. You know, guys at Alabama don't test because they don't need to because they went to Alabama. Like that's the that's the whole point. That's like what you get to do. That's the benefit of doing it. So just the overreactions to, to some of these guys, you, you know. Again, he's a young player still. I mean, he's a little bit older. I shouldn't say he's a young, super young guy, but Devontae Smith. It'll be interesting to see how he kind of pans out at his smaller size. I, I know have I'm not like super high on him, but I'm again I'm not just totally fading him because of oh well he's 170 pounds like he can't be getting he sucks. Like I I don't think it's just that that black and white. And then with Rondell Moore, look man 5'7". seven yeah he's really short, but the dude can squat like 800 pounds. And that means he's a monster with the ball in his hands. Again, he's been hurt the last couple seasons, but I didn't move either of those guys really. Devontae Smith will run down more after, you know, some of their weight and size measurements came out. And I think that when you move guys too much because of pro day results, I think it's bad process. Again, I think that you should try to take into everything into account that you can, but at the same time, you know, don't freak out and you know readjust everything because of this new number. Again, I was expecting Rondo Moore to be kind of short, like, <laughs> but he can also jump really high, so it kind of makes up for it. So yeah, that's my thing with that. Just you know the whole pro day reaction thing. It's just it's fun. You know, it's definitely fun to see the guys all run you know sub four fours because everyone's doing pro days now. But let's let's keep it in perspective, people.
0: Football is so different today than it was 10 years ago, and twice as different as it was 20 years ago. And it doesn't even resemble the sport that happened in the 90s. So, when you're saying we haven't had these bigger, big, or small wide receivers thrive, realize the physicality of the game has drastically gone down. It would certainly make sense if we start to see smaller, quicker wide receivers thrive in this, you know, positionless, more spaced out NFL that we're starting to see more and more. Good stuff, Andrew. I got something a little less serious, man. I'm going to call Coach Boone from Remember the Titans, the fictional coach. Coach Boone a fraud. I think that he's right up there with Coach Eric Taylor as the worst fictionalized coaches that we still act like they're good because he's got the results, because he's got that 1971 state championship with TC Williams. But man, I went back, I watched the movie last night, I went through every freaking scene, and I just don't know why we praise this guy. He had a six-play playbook, even though freaking he gets a transfer quarterback like savior man sunshine guy ends up starting at south carolina the guy comes in halfway through camp throws a 50 yard dart off jerry like that's the first impression from coach boone what happens next he's like you can't make that two inch pitch you know to the running back in my veer offense so no get off the field adjust your offense to the talent of your players like we would freak out if this ever happened at any level of real life football but because it's freaking disney we accept it and we know we're like oh rev he's a good guy Guy. Rev's a great guy. He can't throw a football like freaking Sunshine can, man. So, Coach Boone, you know, you have your Veer your offense. You're acting like, you know, it's your scheme, your system. You need to do this. You're hurting yourself, you're hurting your team, and you're hurting your credibility with the players by benching the better guy in Sunshine behind Rev. So, that really pissed me off. We also got the whole PD situation, you know, running back, the running back, y'all. Let's go through what Petey Jones did during his time Remember the Titans. He comes out, he tells coach, you know, football is fun, and he quickly gets that erased. Boone says, no, that's not fun. <laughs> we see one practice where Petey fumbles the ball. It's an option pitch. He gets drilled right as the ball touches his hands, and he says, coach, the blocking was bad. The blocking was bad. One time they had to stay out till like midnight because the offensive linemen weren't blocking. Week one comes around. First series of the year, Petey has earned the starting running back job. He is out there. Misses a blocking assignment. Goes to the sideline. Boone brings up the fumble that happened weeks ago. And he's like, oh, Petey, you didn't have the ball to fumble. You can't block now? He benches him, which is insane. And then, because of that, because they bench a stud in Petey, the defensive coach benches Allen who was a five-time player of the week the season before, for Petey, who has not practiced defense the entire freaking year. The only in-game adjustment these coaches made the entire season was benching their defensive starters in favor of offensive guys that had seemingly not practiced defense the entire year. They did it again in the state championship. That state championship was 7 nothing at halftime, and they freaked out and acted like Ed Henry was going up and down the field. And my last point about that is the state championship game, because if you'll see in the movie, week two – Boone gives uh, Coach Yost a scouting report on Ed Henry. He goes, we got to be ready for these guys. This is who we're beating in the state championship. First play, they go in the shotgun, and you, it's it's like freaking they had never seen anything resembling this before. The, gu- the guys go, what? who do they think they are, the New York Jets? Are we watching Monday Night Football out here? Bro, you've been scouting this team since week two. I refuse to believe that this team was saving this brand-new offense for the state finals and surprised you. You didn't do your scouting report, Coach Boone. You relied on your ancient system. You didn't change it for the players, and you got bailed out by a heroic blocking effort by Sunshine on the end of the freaking game where he— You know, pancake three dudes and his injured quarterback got into the end zone. Thank God Rev didn't get hit on that play, ruin his growth plates, and possibly, you know, just hurt his career as a future preacher. So, Coach Boom, congrats on the win. But like Paul George once said, that was a bad shot. I think you were a bad coach. And that's my opinion on the matter. So, I'm glad I could waste everyone's time with uh, that Remember the Titans spear. And and you can check out my uh, (laughs) PFF film review on Remember the Titans out this Wednesday if you do like getting into this bogus nonsense as much as i do so andrew thank you for supplying a more you know actionable get it off your chest moment (laughs) i'm happy i could uh follow that up a lot of people know uh, what you got here on the uh, horizon over at pff
1: yep so i'm working on a big piece about high value opportunities vacated high value opportunities from all the offenses post free agency so looking at goal line carries you know hey 21 carries from Kenyon drake on the five yard line where are those going next year's is Is Kyler Murray going to have like 40 rushing attempts in the five yard line next year? Is it going to be a la Cam Newton of 2020? We will find out. But yeah, basically breaking down the vacations from all the targets all across the NFL. And I think I'm going to do it for the rookies coming in as well. Talk about some of their high value opportunities that they saw in college and see if that'll transfer over to the NFL level.
0: Great stuff, as always, from Andrew. Check him out on Twitter at Andrew Erickson underscore. That's going to do it, everybody. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Tune back in on Friday. Going to have Pat Corain over from Established to Run Over, one of the better dynasty minds in the business, in my humble opinion. So keep an eye out for that. He's Andrew. I'm Ian. This has been the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And Until next time, take care, everybody.